We want to welcome everyone to the podcast. We're, this is called uh, From the Preacher Study. My name is Bob Hutto. I'm the preacher here at Oak Mountain Church of Christ. Uh, my, my partner and co-worker and colleague is Kevin Clark. And uh, we're going to continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're looking at uh, the section that has to do with prayer. The broader mm-hmm. section has to do with not practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Jesus says, otherwise you have no reward in with your father in heaven. And one of the issues that he brings up as an illustration of that is, is prayer. And so we're going to continue to talk about prayer and what Jesus teaches us about prayer in this session. But we're glad you're with us. Mm-hmm. Hope that uh, you'll think along with us as we talk about God's word. And then I have an impact on your life and that uh, it will help you as you pray, maybe to pray more often, pray more fervently, pray more effectively. But at any rate, in one way or another, we hope our discussion today is beneficial and helpful in some way as we live our lives from day to day. Yeah, there can't be uh, a more important uh, topic than how we communicate with our Heavenly Father. And uh, we certainly see from the New Testament that all of the people of faith who were strong and did wonderful things for God were prayerful people, starting most importantly with the Son of God. And we've made this point. If you are the Son of God in heaven, you come down uh, and and live uh, in the form of the man, tempted in all points as we are. You would think if there ever was a human being that did not need prayer, it would be God incarnate. And yet we see more prayer from the Lord than anyone else. I mean, sometimes spending an entire night in prayer. So I think that underscores for us just how important it is for we who don't have quite the connection he had with the Father to pray to God. So we're very thankful to have this opportunity to talk about this subject. And those who enable us to have this conversation are two deacons, uh, Jason Reed and Mark Townsend, who are with us as always. Always want to acknowledge them, thank them for their sacrifices, the lending of their talents, and the sacrifice of their family. They could be home doing things with them. So we appreciate that very much. Well, Kevin, I like the point that you made that as you go through the Bible, and you can just do a quick survey God's people are praying people. They spend time in prayer, and it strengthens their relationship with God. And, you know, you, you made the comment, you made the observation that uh, even though Jesus' relationship with God was close and personal and unique and, and uh, different from closer than any of our relationships with God, uh, still he he understood the need to pray. Right. And maybe it goes the other way as well. Maybe right. his relationship with God was right. strong because he prayed. There you go. There and you so go. maybe those mm-hmm. maybe you can look at it go both of those hand. ways. That's right. And so if our relationship with God maybe is not what we'd like for it to be, right. spend time in, in prayer. prayer. Mm-hmm. Spend time in the word. That's right. Spend yes. time in prayer. You've right. got to if you, if if your relationship with God is not what it should be, you've got to do something about it. Exactly. You can't just wish it to be better. Right. You've got to take some measures. <laughs> Uh, to strengthen it. Amen. Well, let's talk a little bit about sure. about this section mm-hmm. here. Uh, Jesus, again, is uh, discussing this idea of doing your righteousness before men to be seen by them. And during his day, there were people who would who would pray, pray in public, pray in the synagogues, on the street corners, in order to be seen by men. They mm-hmm. wanted to impress others with their piety, mm-hmm. uh, with their religiosity, might be one way mm-hmm. to describe mm-hmm. it. And, and they, they did impress people, I'm sure, mm-hmm. at times. But Jesus says, if, if that's what you're seeking and that's what you get, that's all you're mm-hmm. going to get. Mm-hmm. You don't have reward with your Father mm-hmm. who is in heaven. And then he goes on to teach us how to pray. Mm-hmm. And so in verse 9, he says, you pray in this way. Mm-hmm. Don't pray like this. Right. Pray in this way. Now, notice he doesn't say, say these words when you right, pray, right, right, right. but pray in this manner, exactly. pray in this way. Right, right. The prayer that he 
gives us as an example. It's not a prayer that the Lord prayed himself, but right. the, the kind of prayer that would be acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It's mm -hmm. very straightforward. Mm -hmm. It's not full of a lot of technical ecclesiastical terms. <laughs> right. It's just very simple that uh, the kind of prayer that, that everyone can pray. Amen. It doesn't cover everything that we might want right. to mention in, right. in a prayer, right. but it's an example of how to pray to God, how to pray effectively. Amen. He begins by addressing God as Father. Mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in, in the Old Testament, uh, the Jews did recognize God as their Father and would provide for them as Father. But they didn't usually, my understanding is, they didn't usually address Him in prayer as Father. Mm. Uh, maybe as as God mm -hmm. or, uh, or as Lord, mm -hmm. but not usually Father. But Jesus teaches us to pray our Father. And Jesus himself addresses right. God as Father. And that just highlights the relationship mm -hmm. that we have with him. The second thing that he says here in verse 9, hallowed be your name. Right, right. And so he begins by praising God and by uh, exalting mm -hmm. him and addressing him this lofty, respectful way. Right. Hallowed be your name. And so his name is holy. Mm -hmm because God yeah, himself is right. holy. That's right. And so he addresses God as Father. He, he makes a statement here of praise to God, and then he gets to the request. Right. And so uh, first request, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Still focused on God, <clears throat> mm -hmm. still focused on the Father, still focused on his will. Right. And he hasn't, getting to, hasn't gotten to... You know, I need this, or right, right. you know, requesting that for himself, which uh -huh. he does. Right, right. But still, in this first part, the focus is on God the Father. Mm -hmm. So, before we get to verse ten, anything that you want to add to all of this? Any observations yeah, I, you want to make? I think we made this point before. Again, it's not necessarily a prescription for exactly how the prayer ought to be laid out, but it is a good point that he begins with glorifying God and exalting God. And maybe there's a point there for us to think about before we get into making specific requests for ourselves and for others, acknowledging how great this God is and we serve, acknowledging how hallowed his name is, how glorious he is, the things that he's done. Certainly nothing wrong with that. And certainly that needs to be a part of every prayer. We're told in Philippians 4 that we're to make our request known to God with thanksgiving. And so the idea is as you request of God, you are first and foremost thankful for who God is and what he's already done. So I think there's a lot to be said about keeping in mind when you start your prayer who you're addressing and to praise and exalt his name and then maybe pivot from that to some of the requests that we have. Very good, very good. Let's take up verse 10, this, this request, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven mm -hmm. or the kingdom of God. It's mm -hmm. a significant portion of his teaching. Right. Matthew sums up his teaching, Matthew mm -hmm. 4, 17. Mm -hmm. Jesus went uh, throughout you know, the territory where he, where he taught, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is mm -hmm. at hand. The parables are often about the kingdom, right. the kingdom of heaven is like. And so the kingdom of God is a significant feature of his teaching. And I think the word kingdom probably has a range of meaning right, or at least right. application, right. like a lot of words do. Sometimes mm -hmm. God is the king of, of the whole creation. Right, right. He rules over everything he's created, right. the, the earth, the sky, mm -hmm. the clouds, mm -hmm. the trees, the oceans, the rivers. All of those are under the, the, the domain of God and the That's dominion right. of God. Sometimes he's the king of the nations. And so right. he raises nations mm -hmm, up and he mm -hmm. brings them down. And so they... 
they they rule or don't rule according to his right. dominion, That's according right. to his rule as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. God God rules over his people right. through the anointed one, mm-hmm. through his king. Mm-hmm. And Israel, remember uh, God ruled over them through judges, for, mm-hmm. for example, for a period of time. And then there were a series of kings that were supposed to administer God's law right. in the earth among Israel. That's right. They didn't do a very good job of it. Some <laughs> did better than others, right, but a lot right. of them were failed terribly to That's do right. that. And so eventually that comes to an end. The dynasty of David ends with Zedekiah, mm-hmm. 586 B.C. And from that point on, they were looking for, Israel was looking for, through the teaching of the prophets, the new king mm-hmm. who would come. Mm-hmm. And he would restore or establish God's kingdom in the world. God's rule would be administered in the world through the Messiah, through the Christ who would come. Now there, we don't have time to go into all the passages I've got written down here, but but here are some, Isaiah 9 verse 6, the government will be upon his shoulders. That's just a way of saying a king is coming and the rule will be upon him, his responsibility. So God administers his rule through his king. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 110, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, he had said at the right hand of God. That's right. Psalm 110. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 mm-hmm. talks about the one like the Son of Man receiving a kingdom and dominion and power and so forth. And so they're looking forward to the eruption, not the, the IRR, the breaking in of God's right. rule into the world through his anointed one. And, of course, Christ is mm-hmm. that anointed one. Right. When he comes on the scene, he says, the kingdom the kingdom we've been waiting for is just about here. Right. And during his lifetime, he gives the evidence, I am the king. That's right. He shows that by exercising dominion mm-hmm. over even the spiritual world, mm-hmm. the, the, demons the demons and people yeah. like that or things like that. But he is it's sort of his whole life is kind of a, a coronation. Mm-hmm. I'm the king. I'm going to usher in the kingdom that we all been waiting for, the domain of God, the dominion of God that's going to be administered in the earth over God's people through his anointed one. Yeah, you remember Pilate asked that very question of whether or not Jesus was a king, and Jesus didn't shy away from that, as some might have expected him to have. In John chapter 18, when the question is asked, uh, verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation, the chief priests, have delivered you to me. What have you done? And this is after he's already asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus, verse 36, says, My kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So he's very unequivocal. Absolutely. You're mm-hmm. correct when you say I'm a king. The problem is you misunderstand the nature of my kingdom. Right. It is not a threat to Caesar. It's not a threat to the Roman Empire. It is much greater. It transcends that. It's a spiritual kingdom. But he did not back away from the fact that he was a king. Right, right. The word kingdom just has to do with rule or dominion mm-hmm. or authority, the exercise of authority as a king. A person in authority would would exercise the authority that he has as king. And so God is exercising his rule in the earth in, in various ways, mm-hmm. it turns out. But over his people, he rules through right. through the anointed one, right. through through his king. There are several passages. I, you know, we, we noted a moment ago the 110th Psalm. Mm-hmm. Let's, let me just turn over there for a second and just 
Take a look at uh, what that says exactly. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until mm-hmm. I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The right hand is the place of rule. He goes right. on to say, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Mm-hmm. The right hand of God is is the place of uh, authority mm-hmm. and rule and dominion. It's, right. it's where the king was is going to sit, mm-hmm. so to speak. And there are, I've got 10 passages in the New Testament where this Psalm 110 mm-hmm. is alluded to, saying that Jesus is at the right hand of God. Right. Not the least significant is Acts chapter 2. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's talking about the prophecy made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He swore to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. He looked to the resurrection. In saying this, he looked to the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He raised him up from the dead, verse 32, to which we are all witnesses. Having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured forth this, which you both see and hear. Christ is at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. He is the king. He's exercising dominion over his people. Right. The people who enter into that domain, people who enter into that rule, the rule of God through Christ, are the church. Right. That's that's the church. Now, the, the word kingdom doesn't always apply to the church. Right. There are places where okay. yeah. it might refer to God's rule over all right. the earth right. or God's rule over individual kingdoms as right. he raises them up and brings them down. But today, mm-hmm. the people who submit to the domain, mm-hmm. the dominion of God through his Christ, that's... It's the kingdom, it's the family of God, it's the body of Christ, the church. Absolutely. And so, let me me just ask you this, Kevin. Mm -hmm. Does the New Testament teach the kingdom is a present reality, or are we still waiting for it to come? It's a present reality. It's here. And uh, the kingdom was established, and we can be members of the kingdom. We know that by obedience to the gospel, we're part of his kingdom. We're translated into the kingdom of light, as Colossians says. So it is a present reality. It's not something that we're looking for in in the future, unlike some religious uh, groups say. Right. Now, there's an aspect of the kingdom that is future. That's we true. enter yeah. into the eternal kingdom. Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter 1 talks about that. And right. so, yeah, heaven is, is considered the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. But we're not looking for a 1,000-year earthly kingdom, a mm-hmm. millennial kingdom to be established on the earth. Jesus is king now. Right. He sits at the right hand of God now. Right. He's exercising dominion over, over people through the word that he's revealed now. And so uh, the kingdom that Jesus says is at hand, mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it has been established in, in the earth. Absolutely. I, I couldn't help but think about this in First uh, Corinthians 15, Paul making a defense of the resurrection in general, but specifically of Christ. He says, uh, then comes the end, verse 24, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he, Jesus, must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. And when he says all things are put under, it's evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And as you said, currently Jesus is reigning, and he'll continue to reign until the last enemy is destroyed, which is death. So you referred to Colossians chapter 1 a moment ago, verse mm-hmm. 13. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us mm-hmm. into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right. Notice the past tense past there. Tense, exactly. he, yeah. he rescued us and right. delivered us right. into the kingdom. And so these people came out of the world right. and they subjected themselves to the rule of God through right. Christ. 
And so they were taken out of the world, the domain of darkness and mm-hmm. where Satan rules, and they were transferred. They were transferred into the kingdom, That's right. into the domain of Christ's rule as they submit to his rule. So as Christ rules over the hearts and minds mm-hmm. of people today, that's where we find his kingdom. Right. It's not of this world. You can't point to it right. on a map. Right. It consists of people <laughs> from all over the world. That's right. That's but in right. anywhere, everywhere, people are willing to submit to the rule and authority of King Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's where the kingdom of God is. You know, a lot of times we think of Jesus as our Savior, and he certainly is that. But I like the connotation also of Jesus being the king because it carries with it that authority. If one is your king, you must obey the king. You do the will of the king, not your will. So I think there are a lot of people who really embrace the idea of Jesus as Savior, but maybe not so much for yeah. Jesus as king. Right, right. <laughs> right. You don't disobey the king. That's, right. not, that's not a good idea. You, know, you want to submit to the rule of that's the right. king. That's right. Well, Kevin, our time is out. I appreciate the discussion today. Mm-hmm about the kingdom of God and this element in, in the right. prayer that Jesus kind of provides for us as, as an example. Uh, made the point that we want to leave people with is be sure that you're part of this kingdom. That's right. That's be right. sure that you submit to the rule of Christ right. and that you recognize his authority as king and you submit and you be a good citizen right, exactly. within, that, yeah. within that kingdom. Right. And then you'll be ushered into the eternal kingdom, that eternal aspect. Still the same yeah. group of people. That's right. But that eternal aspect of of God's rule. And so we look forward to that. Amen. Appreciate everybody being with us today. Uh, We'll progress in our next section, our next session, uh, and uh, look at the next passage, next section of this this prayer. Appreciate everybody being with us today. Kevin, would you close us with a word of prayer? Your gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you so very thankful and grateful for all that you are, all that you have done, all that you will do based on your word. So very thankful for the gift of life and all that it means to be fearfully and wonderfully made by you. We thank you for the, the spiritual uh, existence that we have in this physical world. And time and time again, you try to remind us or have reminded us that we are spiritual beings that temporarily inhabit these physical bodies. And thank you uh, for providing for those bodies, even though they are temporary and providing food and shelter and clothing. We're so very thankful for those things and so many other physical blessings. More importantly, we're so very thankful for your son who died on the cross and ushered in through that death and his resurrection, his kingdom. And we are so thankful, those of us who have obeyed the gospel and are members of that kingdom, are so very thankful that we have that privilege and that opportunity. And we are very thankful for the administration of your rule through your anointed Jesus himself. And we are very thankful for people the world over who have chosen willingly to submit to the kingship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we'd ask that uh, that kingdom may continue to expand, that its borders may get broader and broader, uh, not only here stateside, but across the world. And we ask that more and more people may come to the realization that they owe allegiance to the king and that they need to fulfill the conditions for being a citizenship in his kingdom. We're so very thankful for the word that you've revealed to us, these things, concepts such as those that we've talked about during this podcast. Uh, We would be in, in darkness without this light illuminating these uh, concepts and ideas. And we're so very thankful that we can read those under, uh, concepts, we can understand those concepts, and we can relay them to our fellow man. And we can bring the good news that there is a king that came into the world uh, to liberate men from sin and from the captivity of the devil. And he's done that, and we can be a part of that kingdom if we simply obey the conditions and the grace that was shown uh, in the giving of your son on the cross. We're so very thankful for uh, the many blessings that exist in his kingdom. 
the blessings of understanding what life is really about, the blessings of hope, the blessings of patience, the blessing of prayer that we're exercising right now, knowing that we have petitions uh, that are heard by you and that you'll do what's in our best interest. may not be always what we want, but what's in our best interest spiritually. And so many things, the forgiveness of sins that we have, our, our fellow citizens in the kingdom, the encouragement we get from them to be more faithful, uh, so many things that are uh, privileges and, and honors to be a citizen of uh, the Lord's kingdom. And so thank you for blessing us with that uh, kingdom that will never fail, uh, that transcends all other kingdoms and incorporates all, knows no boundaries, uh, no race, uh, no geographical, political boundaries. It's open and available to all who will come and willingly submit themselves to your will and obey the gospel. Thank you for all the many things you continue to do for us, and we ask that we'll be ever more faithful stewards of the blessings that you bestowed upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.